Well, there's a month of Sundays. We could pick any one of those things, and we would be here for two hours. It's interesting, some of the things said, and it's, as I was coming up, the sense was uh, the overriding, overarching message to us today is there is reason for hope. There is reason for expectation. There is reason to believe. There is reason to have hope. There's reason to look forward with expectation. And no matter what is happening in the world, there is reason for hope. And we, more so than anybody else on the planet, should not be dismayed, disheartened, or discouraged by what is coming on the earth. Because what is coming on the earth is the actual coming of Jesus Christ. So it says, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Uh, So that's the attitude. I love the butterflies because uh, very often... If there were a thousand butterflies above this place right now flittering their wings, would we notice it? Probably not. We wouldn't notice any physical sense that there's anything happening, which is very much the way the Holy Spirit works. Very often he is working in our lives in ways that we cannot tell, that we cannot fathom or sense and it can cause us to be a little bit upset and because we are beings that we like to know we like to be sure but God of course is calling us to a life of faith and trust not a life of knowing we've talked about that many times and yet what is happening after we have this time of praise and worship we get a picture of butterflies moving above the uh, church which of course is a picture of the spirit moving, a picture of God moving, and also the gentleness of God. You know, a butterfly is pretty pretty safe. I don't know the last time anyone was attacked by a butterfly. It doesn't usually happen. But yet what's very interesting about a butterfly is that, as you know, some butterflies, a monarch butterfly, goes all the way from the eastern United States and Canada and they all land in this valley mountain area in Mexico every year. They migrate. Have you ever seen a butterfly in the wind? It doesn't look like he's making a lot of progress. But in actuality, he's making quite a bit of progress. And somehow, without knowing it, and I'm sure nobody understands how the butterflies know how to get from here to Mexico, but they do it every year. So what we're being shown in this beautiful picture of a butterfly is that we may not perceive God's work, his leading, his guidance, and all those things in our life. We may not perceive it, but it's happening. But what's interesting is that picture came out of worship. And we need to serve God in spirit and in truth. We need to worship him in spirit, and we need to walk with him in truth and honesty. And... What's beautiful about the worship is what it did is it started, it gave the picture of the, the spiritual realm moving. The spiritual realm, something is moving. And this beautiful, gentle, maybe not perceptible thing, but when we worship and we pray, something is moving. Something starts to move. And very often, because we can't perceive it, because we can't explain it, And because maybe sometimes our hope just gives up, we end up losing 
what it is that God has in store for you and is doing in your life. And there are people who will lose it. The rich young ruler walked away. He had done so much right, but there was one thing that Jesus put his finger on, and he just turned around and walked away. And there's people that will just turn around and walk away, Christians who will just turn around and walk away because there's something not answered. There's something they don't understand, and they just can't wait any longer. And it's a, it's a terrible place to be in. It's a horrible way to go. But yet God is saying with the butterflies, he's saying, I'm moving. You can't perceive it. There's reason to hope. There's reason to have expectation in your life. There's reason to have a sense of that whatever comes, whatever predicament you may find yourself in now or in the future, that just remember the butterflies are moving, that God is in the midst of it with you. Jesus said that he would never leave nor forsake. Absolutely, he would never leave nor forsake. And the idea about the fact we will not receive what God has for us, there is a receiving. We don't just come to church and he plops it on us and then we walk away. We need to be ready. We need to be willing to receive what it is he has for us to do. I don't know so many Christians I talk to, and I've done it, you've done it, I, hopefully we're not still doing it, where we're looking 10 years down the road and saying, then God's going to use me. Then God has something to do through my life. I guarantee you, as you're sitting here breathing and living today, God has something for you to do today. He has something for you to do. It's not 10 years down the road. That's a lie from the enemy. Now, there may be a, a fruition of things and a coming together of things, but today is the day of God's salvation. Today is the day that the butterflies are moving. They're not moving 20 years from now. Today's the only day we have. And so I've talked to so many Christians, and I've done it. Oh, I cannot be used because this is not finished in my life. I guarantee you the day you die, there will still be stuff unfinished in your life. The beautiful reality is that God uses us in spite of that. And by use you, it doesn't have to be some monstrous ministry. It can simply be a smile. It can simply be whatever you have at your avail. Like was said, what is in your hand? Moses was trying to figure out how he was going to do this great thing that God had called him to. He knew God had called him to it, but he had no concept of how it was ever going to happen. And God just said, well, uh, uh, what do you got in your hand there? God, it doesn't matter what it is. God will use it. If it's money, if it's knowledge, if it's time, if it's grace, if it's mercy, if it's the willingness to drive somebody, if it's the willingness to smile at somebody at a bus stop, if it's a willingness to speak to somebody who probably hasn't been spoken to in like however long, and I trust me, trust me on this, the world is, is absolutely starving for relationship. It's starving to connect. And it doesn't know what it's starving from. Very often we suffer malnutrition and we don't know why. And, you know, you'll go to the doctor or you'll go to somebody and they'll say, well, you don't have enough vitamin D or you don't have enough vitamin A, or you don't have enough greens going into your life, or whatever it is. And because our body needs many different things, and the world does not know what it is starving for. 
and it's trying to fill it with everything other than God and each other. There is relationship. And God, I, I think I can say most securely that God is sending you and I out into this world today to create relationship, two kinds, with him and with other people. And we have to do it by coming out of ourselves and believing that God is going to do something, that he's actually going to do something. But are we ready to receive it? Are we ready to surrender? Are we ready to surrender? There's a big word, surrender. What do we got to surrender? Well, let's think about what we have to surrender. Our doubt. Having faith does not mean that we will not have doubt. Having faith guarantees that you will have doubt. It's like lifting up a weight guarantees you're going to have pressure on your body. It doesn't just go up. You won't even know you have doubt until you have faith. Because you won't know you were doubting. In order to have faith, you've got to automatically have doubt. And if you have doubt, well, get used to it. Because you're going to have it until the day you die. Some of the greatest prophets in the, in the Bible had doubt right to the very last. Well, God, what does this mean? Why, I don't understand. How is this going to happen? What is it, you know? The beautiful thing about Mary is that when the angel Gabriel came to her and told her, oh, by the way, you're going to have a child without having any physical relationship with a man. Imagine getting that at 2 o'clock in the morning. And she simply said, um, okay, I trust you. She did say, how's this going to happen? But in the end, she said, okay. And she said, I take you at your word. And sometimes we have to simply take God at, our, at his word and trust him. And that's got nothing to do with feelings. It's got to do with faith and trust. And if ever we're going to be called into a time of faith and trust, it's right now. And what's coming onto the earth. Because as I've said it a thousand times, and I'll continue saying it so we will have this ingrained in our spiritual psyche, there are things going to happen that we are going to look at and go, uh, where are you, God? Where are you? Not just to the world, but to people, Christians, in the church, people that we admire, whatever it is. We're going to see things, not everybody, but we're going to see things as God lifts the skirts of humanity. And starts revealing what is really going on in the church, in our politics, in our institutions, all the things we depended upon. He's going to start, and already has in very graphic ways, start showing the rot that is in there. And we are going to have to stand back and at times we're going to say, but Father, shouldn't you be intervening on this or Shouldn't there? No, he's not. He's going to let it just run. It's like when you pick up a rock and the ants just run. That's what it's going to be like. Because it is the end times. Evil will increase and it will become apparent as to what it is. The evil in the heart and the evil in humanity, the evil in the world. And also, you and I will bump into stuff in ourselves. We're going to see it in ourselves. And what do we do? There's the beautiful difference between us and everybody else on the planet that is not a Christian. We have some place to go. We have a mountain that is flowing with water. 
We have a mountain, and, and of course, water always represents the Holy Spirit. Water represents forgiveness. Water represents the cleansing. Water represents the power. Water represents the very life of the Spirit of God. And this great mountain, which represents the power of God, is flowing from this mountain, and we're going to see it in the end times, too, where there's a great river coming out of Jerusalem for the healing of the nations. But right now, there's already a river flowing. There's already a river flowing right now in the spiritual realm. The difference is that, as we know in the end times, it says that the new Jerusalem will come down out of heaven, and we will see the physical manifestation of what is happening in the spiritual realm. That is going to happen. And we're going to see something that is 1,500 miles that way, that way, that way, this way, and that way. Come down and land in Israel. I don't understand how. I don't care. A hundred years ago, they thought the moon was made of cheese. Sixty years ago, someone was walking on that cheese. So things can change. Two hundred years ago, who would ever have imagined a nuclear bomb? And if you want to know how bad evil is in the heart of man, it took an atomic bomb to stop the Second World War. And people say, why is God so... You read the Old Testament and he's all this violence and all of this judgment and all these horrible consequences and what God's saying he's going to do. Took an atomic bomb to stop the evil and the madness of the human race in the Second World War. So I think we can look back and say God was trying to make them understand you are broken, evil, and bent on evil, and you've got to come to me. So you and I see evil in our life, and you're going to. And if you see evil in yourself, that ungodliness, and it freaks you out and causes you to think you're not good enough to come to church, you're not good enough to be in a relationship with God, you're not good enough to be used, I tell you right now, that's a lie of the devil. Because Jesus came and made you righteous. He came and paid for that sin that you're seeing, have seen, going to see, whatever it is you're dealing with. It may be in the middle of it. It may have its bony hands around your neck. But nonetheless, there are two things that are going to fight that. Forgiveness, you're forgiven for it. As you bring it to God in spirit and in truth. As you bring it to him. And he is already willing. Jesus has proved that God is willing to forgive. He came, walked, and died for that reason. Wasn't to have some great big huge monument to himself made. It wasn't so that the world would go around wearing crosses. And by the way, the first 300 years of the church, the cross was not the emblem of the church. The resurrection was. And then they came along and saw whatever. But the fact is, there is forgiveness, and then there is the power of the Holy Spirit that can take those bony hands of whatever it is that's got around your thinking, your body, whatever it is, and it can be released Sometimes with a prayer, sometimes with just sitting in church and realizing, oh, that's what's happening. Or getting together and confessing with a friend and all of a sudden the power of God comes and you can be set free. There is absolutely nothing that can stop you. The economy can fall. The, we can be attacked by a horde of communists. We, the sky could fall. And actually, the Bible says it will, that the very heavens will be moved but it's saying, don't you be moved, because this is just the coming 
of Jesus Christ. And as Jesus gets closer and closer to the earth, it shakes and shakes and shakes. How many have uh, ever been in the presence of God and all of a sudden you start shaking? All right. All of a sudden your body starts doing things that it just normally doesn't do. That's what's happening to the earth. As we pray and as we and the real church, and understand there's an apostate church and there's a real church, and I'm not saying Mosaic is a real church. I'm saying within the corporate church of the world, there is going to be an apostate church. And because Jesus tells us, the goats and the sheep, right? So obviously they didn't just manifest there. I talked about this last week. But that it's actually on the earth now. And I, just for a quick one, the, the way you'll know it is it will align itself with political power and with money. That's how you'll know the apostate church. It'll align itself with those two things. It wants power. It wants influence. It's proud. It's arrogant. And it's rich. And so, and look through history. You can see where the church fell into that trap. And uh, the devil knew what he was doing when he made the church the church of the Roman Empire in, in 336. He knew what he was doing. He was giving it that, that addictive, the crack, the spiritual crack that ruins spirituality and Jesus stayed away from wealth and he stayed away from power they would try and come and what did they tried to make him king and off he'd go to the mountains he'd take off because he knew even he himself knew that this was not something that he could be around so he stayed away from it even though he could have had as much of it as he wanted but he chose to be poor and he chose not to be of any influence And in that, he was his greatest influence. Remember that. That in your humility, weakness, whatever it is that you might think you're walking in, it's actually your power. It's actually what gives you authority. To be able to believe that in little old me, little old me, yeah, little old you. I was listening, uh, I was talking to Bill this morning about it, um, over in uh, Bosnia, uh, there's a place called, and I'll mispronounce it, Medjugorje. And I was listening this week about the story of Medjugorje that happened in the early 80s, where, uh, Alan, I think it was six people, six, yeah, it was six kids that saw a premonition on the top of the mountain. Long story short about that, and people can argue all they want about whether or not that's real. I personally believe it was. Um, but uh, the fact is, It was six nobodies, six nobodies, kids around the age of 13, age from 10 to 13-ish, something like that, in a communist country that outlawed any kind of faith, anything at all. Well, God, couldn't you have done that in America? Couldn't you have done that over here where they could have been? But those kids suffered tremendously for what they came down off that mountain saying they saw and experienced. And people are still going up that mountain and are still experiencing profound experiences with God. And so little old you is exactly who God uses. Little old Israel. What did God say about Israel? You were, I found you waddling in your blood in the field when you were born. And I took you and I cleaned you. You were of no report at all. Well, welcome to it. Here we are. (laughs) Here we are. 
And so God is just saying this morning, there is reason for hope and there is reason for expectation. We are not coming to the end of the church. There's some people, you know, if you don't understand end time stuff, you will think, oh, my heavens, they hate us. This is going to be the end of the church. The power of God is, is not working anymore. No, 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 no. We are going to see an escalation of the power of God that we have never seen, that history has never seen before. It says that the end times will be a time that the world has never seen before in its distress and in its confusion and all of the stuff that's going to happen. But with that will also come the greatest age of the church. And it might be in your mind lifetime, it may be in our kids' lifetime, but definitely things are ramping up. So God is saying to you again, I don't know who here this morning was maybe losing hope or maybe kind of giving up on the fact that anything is going to work out or maybe listening to the news and saying, well, it's all going to hell in a handbag here. I mean, you really can get dismayed if you read all the news and all the prognostications about what's going to happen. And is it going to get worse? Yeah, it probably is. We're already seeing cities locking down again, and it's starting. And here it is, humanity. Uh, Bill was down the waterfront yesterday, and there you have everybody sitting in bars, nobody wearing masks, every, no one's social distancing. In the midst of the most rampant epidemic the world has ever seen, what do we do? We go back to the bar, sit down, order our drink, and start drinking as if the world is fine and everything's okay. Just as in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of my coming. People will be eating and drinking, giving in marriage, having parties. What's the problem? I've got $5 in my pocket, I've got a drink, and I've got a job. Life is great. Well, maybe not. And we are seeing the very manifestation of the attitude of the end times. If a worldwide pandemic does not cause us to have a moment of second sober thought about our behaviors, what is it going to take to stop them from going, sitting in the bar, having a drink, and thinking everything is okay? It's not okay. And it is our job as the church, to politely, and sometimes maybe not politely, um, but respectfully, let people know, by the way, by the way, this mask we have on our face, this mask represents something. It's like a flag. It's like an alert. It's like God trying to say, okay, here, you got a problem. And people refuse to wear the mask. (laughs) They refuse to wear it because they think it's a hoax. It's got nothing to do with COVID. It's got to do with the second coming of Jesus Christ. You're wearing something that says there's a problem that you can't fix, world. Politicians can't fix it. Doctors can't fix it. Lawyers can't fix it. The greatest minds in the world, one day you do this, the next day you're supposed to do this. They don't know what's going on. But you do. Wear it with pride. Say, I am saying there's something wrong with the world, and this is why. It's got nothing to do with COVID. It's the end times, and you need to get ready. 
This is the first of a series of global shakings that are going to come on the earth. You think a mask is bad? Wait until you have to line up for food. Wait until the credit system crumbles. Wait until the banks fall. Oh, the banks will never fall. They did in 2008. A little warning. God's trying to warn us. But he's saying to you and I, it don't matter. You have reason to hope. You have reason to have faith. Because what did God say last week through Janet? Your foot will not be moved. The whole thing can shake. But you will not be shaken. God is going to make sure you have what you need. That you are where you need to be. And that you will have a way through whatever storm comes. Will it be easy? Will it be comfortable? Will it be times where you will have fear? Absolutely. Absolutely. But that does not disqualify God's promise that he's going to be with you. So we serve a great God. There's reason for hope and expectation in our life. And God gave us all the words for it this morning. But again, are you ready? Are you ready? Yes, if we enter the gate of salvation, if we enter through the gate, which is Jesus Christ, he said, I am the gate. Thank you, Janet. He said, I'm the gate. That is where all of our hope, all of our confidence, that Jesus actually said to he said, don't fear the world. Why? Because I have overcome the world. And by that, he means every fear, every threat, every kind of, he had poverty, He had attack, he had rejection, he had nowhere to live, he had everything came against Jesus. Everyone deserted him, they were trying to kill him, his family were saying he's crazy, everything came against him, but he said, I have overcome all of that. And he's saying it to you and I today that we will overcome whatever we are in, whatever is going to come, as long as we just Enter in through the gate of salvation through Jesus Christ. And you maybe have not done that this morning. Maybe there's a, or you've walked away from the gate. Maybe you've looked at the gate. See, we can know God and we can understand his call for salvation. And we may even accept it for what it is. But I heard Denzel Washington talking about this, who is a Christian. He was talking about it the other day. I was listening to him. And he said, I was ready to understand it and to accept it, but I wasn't ready to live it. And I said, man, that's profound. Yeah, I know Jesus is real. Yeah, I know that the Bible is real. I know there's heaven. I know there's hell. I know there's all that stuff. And I actually even believe it. But I'm not ready to live it. Oh, there's the difference. Are you ready to live what God spoke this morning? Are you ready to live in faith and trust? Are you ready to give God whatever is in your hand? Are you ready to give your life to Jesus? Not just know about Jesus. All kinds of people know about Jesus. The devil knows about Jesus too. I have had people, Christians in front of me, talk with the greatest eloquence of knowledge. Oh, they know about the end times, and they know about prophecy, and they know that scripture, but they ain't living for Jesus. And knowledge does not get us into heaven. Knowledge doesn't do it. 
Sitting in church every week doesn't do it. Going to Bible studies doesn't do it. It is when we are in those small moments of our life where the butterflies are moving and we say, Father, I'm going to follow you. Father, I need your forgiveness today. Father, help me. Father, I recognize you. I want a relationship with you. Father, I want you to change my life, my future, my present, my character, my being. I want you to change it all. I want to give it to you. That's when you start walking into some real power. Because then you're giving God what is in your hand. And the only thing that may be in your hand is fear. Doubt. Self-accusation. And God says, give me that. I can work with that. And what does he give us for our ashes? Beauty. Bring that broken part and I will turn it into something beautiful. God's amazing. God's amazing. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you've said to us from your very throne this morning, Father. You encouraged us and you told us mysteries and you've revealed truths to us. And Father, this morning, if there's anybody here who wants, maybe they know about God and like we were saying, but they're not, they they have not been ready to actually live for God. I pray, Father God, if that is anyone here this morning, that Father God, you would just speak to that heart and cause it, Lord, to be a day of change. Help them to give you their whole life. The good, the bad, the weak, the strong. All of it, Father. And Father, for us that maybe have been walking with you for a while, but we know there's still stuff we have to give you. And more so than give you, we want to stand today in a proclamation of confirmation that we are determined as best as we have the power to walk with you, for you, and towards you. And if that's you this morning, just stand as a statement of what it is that you are determined to do with your life. As you are determined to stand for Christ. And it may not always be pretty and it may not always be uh, slick. But Father, we will stumble towards glory in our desire, Father God, to follow you, to trust you, and to give you what is in our hands, our life, Father God. So, Lord, we stand today and we receive whatever it is that you are saying. We thank you that you love us, that you are upon us, whether we can feel it or not, that you are here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is good. How many feel God spoke to them this morning? You know, how, like, I'm not doing that for me. <laughs> I'm doing that just so that we can say, you know, God's in the house. God is in the house. And we don't need slick. We just need openness and the willingness. God said to me this week, he said, give me a space and I'll fill it. And we gave God space this morning and he filled it. Anyone need healing?
physical healing this morning. Hey, just stand if you need physical healing. I just saw the word healing, so who knows? What's that in your hand? Uh, Father, first of all, there's healing of relationship, uh, relationship with you and relationship with other people. Uh, I pray in Jesus' name that, Father, those here this morning who are struggling with relationship, struggling with their relationship with you, and there needs to be a healing, Father God, a spiritual healing, I just pray, Father God, in Jesus' name right now that, Father God, you are saying yes and that you can restore what is broken. You can put the puzzle pieces back together and you can recreate the picture. You can recreate the picture and the Lord's going to recreate the picture of your life as you just back off from the puzzle because you've been trying to put those pieces together and you've been trying to force and you've been trying to shove and trying to make and you got frustrated. God's saying, back away from the puzzle. Back away from the puzzle of your life. And just let go of it and give it to the Lord. And I just see Jesus coming in. And he's not doing it autonomously from you. He's saying, now look, I'll show you where this piece goes. And I'll show you where that piece goes. God wants to teach you. And he wants to show you what he's doing. But he couldn't get in because you were so fervent and just trying to fix it all yourself. Um, A little bit cryptic there, but I believe God's speaking to somebody with that this morning. Father, we pray for uh, physical healing around the shoulder area, Um, people uh, with a shoulder issue, Father God, um, the right shoulder specifically. Father, I just pray healing this morning in Jesus' name. Uh, Father, I see uh, organs like the liver, kidney area, um, the abdomen area, Father, uh, and it's been going on for a while. Uh, Lord, we pray healing right now. We command that to be healed in Jesus' name, Father God. And uh, uh, medicine will be part of that abdomen thing. There will be some medicine you'll be taking. You maybe are taking or you will take. um, uh, And don't be afraid of that. Uh, Go ahead and do that. That will be part of the healing. Uh, Father, I I pray for the back, the spine area, uh, just the back, uh, the top half of the back around the solar plexus in between the shoulder blades. Uh, Father, a, a pain or some kind of a condition there, Father God. I just pray right now in Jesus' name for healing to come to that, uh, that, Father, it would be healed and there is, there's a straightening up issue with that. And uh, I just I see you moving your shoulders and moving the solar plexus area. hope I got that right. But that area... And there's going to be a new freedom in that area, healing, a loosening up. Also in the knee, uh, somebody's knee uh, situation, uh, in the knee, the right knee. uh, But the knees, just pray for healing on that right now in Jesus' name, that that would be healed, Father God. And uh, and finally, in the blood, something to do with blood, um, blood. an anemia or some kind of issue around the blood circulation, blood pressure. Um, We just loosen up those veins right now that we release blood pressure right now in Jesus' name. We release that, Father God, and just pray. It's almost like uh, there's going to be like a boost of life come to you, a boost of energy. Uh, You're going to notice it because you'll have more energy and you'll have a clarity of thought. 
And uh, Father, I pray for those who are fearful this morning. Uh, Those who are fearful, Father God, the Lord would say, I have you. You're in my hand. Don't worry about what you've done. Don't worry about where you are. I am with you, and I am going to guide you. I have you in my hand. I have you in my hand, and I'm going to guide you, and I'm going to take you into a life that I have for you. And don't worry, nothing can stop it. You just stay in my hand. Stay in my hand. And I just see this giant hand moving and knocking over all kinds of things as it just takes you to your destiny, just knocking over buildings and all kinds of stuff, this massive hand. Uh, You are in the mighty, almighty hand of God. He's with you, and he'll guide you, and he'll take care of you. Father, we thank you. If anybody else has a sensation of anything that uh, they might feel, um, uh, just one thing, the chest, uh, in the chest, in the lungs, clearing of the lungs, um, some residual healing that needs to happen in the lungs. And uh, Father, we just speak that healing today in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Um, You know, um, this sensation thing, uh, I want to explain that a little bit so when you come, continue to come, we're going to open up a a larger space for God to enter into. Uh, We've talked on our Zoom calls about the fact that sometimes you may come into church and you will all of a sudden develop a pain or a discomfort or some, you might get morbidly sad all of a sudden. Some people do when they come to church, Um, but but when it's not that, Um, but they, you, all of a sudden a condition will come over you, a sensation, a feeling that is what uh, they, some people call burden-bearing, or it is the Spirit laying on you what is happening to somebody else in the congregation, and God wants to address it. I had the most astounding experience of that with a woman who I was in a weekend retreat with, and she was part of the counselors. We were counseling. There's about five of us. And the, very quickly, the guy that I was with, it was one counselor with one person, and we would go off at times and have discussions about spiritual principles, come back to the main group, discuss the whole thing, and that's the way the weekend was, and we'd pray for each other and stuff like that. Well, he had spoken to me, he was from Africa, and he had spoken to me about the fact that he um, was, uh, as a child, we went back to memories in his life, and one of the destructive memories in his life was that as a young boy, his father or mother in Kenya drove him to a boarding school. They had enough money to put him into boarding school. And of course, any parent wants their child to have the best education they can have. So he was only like six or seven. And she drops him at the boarding school. He might have been a little bit older, but nonetheless, the wound that was left left in him, he was going to school at St. Mary's, at the age of 23, was this deep, deep hurt. He said, Keith, all I saw was my mother walking away. Abandonment. And now she thought she was doing something wonderful, and she probably was in some ways. But that little boy, that seven, eight-year-old heart, he said, I just saw my mother get back on a bus and drive away, and this, this man took my hand and went into this boarding school. 
Not an uncommon thing in a lot of countries and uh, during time. So we kind of prayed through the hurt of that and the abandonment of that, and we come back the next morning, we come back into the sessions. And this woman, who's one of the counselors, we're just starting, and there's small talk, and I notice that her hand is starting to shake, and she's not, I'm going, what's going on with her? And, and she's looking at the guy that I'm working with. And she had a bunch of books on her lap and everything. All of a sudden, she was, uh, I'd say, in her mid-40s at this time, lurched up out of the chair, went flying over to Peter, and just said, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. She said, Peter, I just feel I'm your mother saying, I'm sorry. With no understanding of the conversation we had the night before. That's what you call burden bearing. He looks at me, I look at him, I don't know who is more shocked. But we went through a whole process where she asked for forgiveness and he forgave her and this woman kind of stood in proxy for his mother. And it was a turning point in his life, let me tell you. And then that night, he gets a call from his mother. He says, she says, what's going on over there? And she said, I've been praying and fasting. There's something going on. And he explained, and they had this wonderful, tear-filled kind of healing around it all. It's amazing. So that's the God we serve. And that's not for any particular. That was uh, a woman who doesn't have any more training in anything than you and I do. But she was open to allow God to use what was in her hand. And at that point, her hand was shaking. And boom, look at what happened. Expect that kind of stuff. You may get on a bus. And all of a sudden, you're looking at something, and you're feeling something. What's the worst that can happen? They say you're crazy. Well, they think we're crazy anyway. So, you know, go and say, I just feel this. I guarantee you that the act of compassion and concern will speak more than anything you have to say. So anyway, we'll leave that. Uh, Let's take up an offering. We have the... uh, Interact at the back, and Liz, you can hit that uh, offering slide, and away we go.